Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Father God, we want to thank you that we again gather together in your name. We thank you, Lord, for this book of Hosea, one of the Old Testament prophets that speaks to us today. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I've got all of chapter five typed up for you on the two pages. Um, It's uh, it's a short chapter, only has uh, 15 verses. It's probably going to take us two or three weeks to get through it, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. So... um, I'll go ahead and I'll just I'll just go ahead and read the first five verses. So why don't you follow along with me? This is out of the New King James, and the the title in the Bible was said "Impending Judgment on Israel and Judah." That just kind of lets you know what's going on. Not necessarily inspired, but pretty accurate. Chapter five. Hear this, O priests! Take heed, O house of Israel! Give ear, O house of the king! For yours is the judgment. Because you've been a snare to Mitzpah and a net spread of, on Tabor, the revolters are deeply involved in slaughter. Though I rebuke them all, I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. Mm-hmm. O oh, now, O oh, Ephraim, you commit harlotry. Israel is defiled. They do not direct their deeds towards turning to the God, for the spirit of harlotry is in their midst, and they do not know the Lord. The pride of Israel testifies to his face, Therefore, Israel and Ephraim stumble in their iniquity. Judah also stumbles with them. So if you remember, going back a few months ago, we started this by talking about Hosea. And Hosea is told to take a a wife of harlotry, Gomer. And this is an illustration. We said that first chapter was going to be an illustration of the rest of the book. And that's pretty much held up. But over the last few chapters, the, the Lord has been becoming more and more specific at who he's directing the judgment to. Now, the people are all going to be under judgment. And this is one of the things that we find with, with the Old Testament. Uh, we see this through the book of Judges. We th- see this through Ezekiel. We see this through Isaiah. That if you have a good king, the people respond and the people are blessed. But if you have a wicked king, and all of the kings of Israel were wicked, and the people fall into um, adultery, uh, fall into idolatry. They start doing the things that the Lord has specifically told them not to do. Then all the people are judged. All the people are judged. Now, this, is, this has been a pattern for Israel for a long time. One of the questions people have today is, do we have the same pattern? Which is a good question. It really is. Um, there, are, there are people, and the church is kind of divided. Teachers are a little bit divided whether or not whether or not the if god's judgment still happens in this this land god's judgment the bible teaches us that the rain falls on the righteous as well as the um, unrighteous that things happen that things happen and in fact the bumper stickers and the back of a car that says stuff happens doesn't stuff but yeah. stuff happens yeah. is actually a good theological statement yeah. stuff happens it just happens. It's not God is not after you. God's not judging you. You didn't get into an accident because God is smiting you. Okay, stuff happens. We will have trouble in this world. That's right. That's right. And that's typically 
referring to persecution that comes across. Persecution comes across this. We're going we're to be subject to that. And in fact, if you're a Christian, that's a good Bible lesson. If you're a Christian, you're probably going to run into a little bit of persecution. And if you're not, I'm wondering whether you're not a good Christian, because sometimes you're going to just have to let people know what what you think. That that used to happen to me a little bit. And, and it wasn't that I looked forward to it, but it just happened. People... And I know how you were at work, but but people kind of knew I was a, a, a Christian. I, I just it wasn't that I carried my Bible around a word on my sleeve, but but people knew. Uh, people just kind of knew, and I was happy that they knew. And it didn't affect my job. I, I I was promoted, and I don't think I was held back because of my Christian views. But we got together when I was working for about seven or eight years. I worked in a in an area not unlike this. We would all sit around desks, and we I worked. I did trading. Just like Wall Street, you see the things hanging in the ceiling and people standing up, buy, sell, buy. Well, that was what we did. We we were we were traded. We were I was a stockbroker. That's what I did. I worked for Ford, but I worked in the treasurer's office and we were moving securities all day long. And uh, in the afternoon they settled, but the morning was very very busy. And even though it was busy, we would be talking to each other. So even as we're working, we're still talking and people are telling stories and it's just it's a kind of a fun work environment. And there was a couple of people. One of the people was a, a gal named Maureen, and she was she was extremely liberal. You know, there's people like Fidel Castro, and there's people that are to the left of Fidel Castro. I mean, she was she was a Marxist. I mean, and not only was she a Marxist as far as her political strategy, but that also meant that she was atheist, and she really despised anything Christian. And she was always throwing something out on the table, something that was of that ideology. And occasionally it would be religious in nature. And I was just working, just working and stuff like that. And and every now and then she would kind of egg me on. And she said, well, what do you think, Ken? And I said, do you really want to know what I think? And people would say, well, you know, you've asked him now, you know what he's going to say. You know what he's going to say, and and we would have these conversations. Well, the the the, the question, and that was one of the questions that came up then. The whole idea of judgment. There was, I think it was Pat Robertson that back when uh, one of the hurricanes, it wasn't Katrina, it was one before oh, yeah, that, yeah. that hit uh, New Orleans, uh, and he said something about the judgment of God, oh, yeah. and it caused a a, a, a fury, a, a fury, and I think appropriately so, because I think it's it's I don't I don't see it's biblical. I don't consider it biblical to think that God would judge a nation specifically um, for the sins of any particular people or even all the people. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that some of the proverbs, some of the some of the injunctions in the Bible about being the husband of one wife, of being faithful, of not being in debt, of infidelity and marrying a, you know, having a, you know, holding off on sexual activity until you're married. Those are proper things to do. And when people don't follow those proper things, there's going to be problems for them. Okay. It's exactly right. But that's not so much the judgment of God as it is a natural consequence of sin. Natural consequence of sin. And I wanted to bring that up because this is the fifth or sixth time that we've introduced a topic where you've seen impending judgment, okay. and you've seen impending judgment. Now, why wouldn't this be considered a consequence of sin? Here, also. Yeah. Well, I, I I think it is a consequence of sin, but I think at the same time, I think 
in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Hosea and Judges, we see God saying, I am bringing judgment Actually, on you. They broke the covenant. Mm -hmm. So in, in the covenant, it's a, if you do, I will. And if you don't. That's the nature of a vassal suzerain covenant. If you keep the terms of the covenant, I will bless you. If you break the covenant, there is no blessing for you. So it's a, it's a violation of the covenant. Yep. And so it is a consequence of your behavior, but you've really violated the covenant. You, you cease to be and act as the covenant people. And that's why yep. uh, this general thing comes on. Years ago when I was in New Orleans, all this verbiage about the judgment of God coming on blah, blah, blah. And so after we were down there helping people put their houses back together. Sure. Again. Sure. As a, as a compassion ministry. And so they, they took a break and went down to Burford Street. <laughs> and I'm walking down there and I'm seeing all this stuff. I said, these people who talk about the judgment of God coming because of, by Katrina, I said, God's, God's better now. Because if he wanted to judge Norman, he'd have started here. Yeah. You know, this is the place where he would have began that judgment. Yeah. Because that's one, one lost strip of land. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. There's a, and, and so I, I just like I said, I wanted to, to touch base on that because so often, especially when you are reading, we're going right now, we're going through the book of Judges um, at, at uh, Celebration Community Church. And then we're also doing Hosea here. So you see these judgment, judgment, judgment. And, and I, again, my theology, my, my understanding of what the Bible teaches is that, that Israel is a special case. Israel was a special case. Israel had a covenant with God and it was supposed to do certain things. And there was an if-then covenant if you do certain things. It wasn't, it wasn't you could do anything you want to and it wouldn't be your child. Um, but there was judgment on Israel and Judah uh, specifically. And there's going to be a time of blessing, a time of refreshing. Um, and if you read the book of Revelation, there, it looks like there's a judgment that will be coming. It's a judgment on the world. But this is not it. So let's, let's talk about this a little bit. So it starts off and says, hear this, O priests. And then it says, O house, house of Israel, O house of the king. Now, that's a triplet, okay? We see this often, but it's being very specific. It's three different categories of people. Hosea is giving a warning to three different groups of people. He's talking to the priests. He's talking to the house of Israel, which is the government of Israel. And then he's specifically talking to the house of the king. Three different groups that he's reminding are responsible for some of the judgment. It's the leaders. These are the leaders. The priests, you know, the, so often, you know, the, the, the failure of Christianity, if there's a failure of Christianity, it's the failure of the church. It's, it's the failure of the church. It's the pastors. It's the people in the church that haven't been able to do what they were supposed to do. So if you look at the world and you don't like what the world is doing, you have to ask yourself, well, what have I done to be able to contribute to the success? What, what have I been able to bring to the table to, in, to encourage them? What, have I, what sermons have I been sharing that gives encouragement to the people to be able to live a life that is pleasing to God? that allows them to be able to have the benefits of the, of the wisdom that God gives us. There's a tremendous amount of wisdom in the Bible. And if people know what the wisdom is, they're gonna fail. Joe. What's the distinction between alarming the government and, and announcing to the king? 
Yes, it's part of the government, but it's but remember the the government has a lot of different people in it. The king is specific, so right. the the king is the leader. The king is the leader, and the government, the house of Israel, is the governance of the so of the people. Includes the, sure the king doesn't get off scot. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 calling it out. He's calling it out. It says, "For yours is the judgment, because you have been a snare to mitzvah, a net spread to Tabor." There's there's a couple of names that come in here, and you can just kind of pass them by. That's fine. Um, and and the the other one is Gilgal. You've heard Gilgal. Uh, Hosea has mentioned Gilgal a couple of times. And these are specific places in Israel. To Israel's mind, they were specific places. So, for example, Mitzvah was the place that Jacob, okay, who started this whole thing, who named was Israel, had a covenant with his father-in-law, Laban. Okay, this is where Jacob went and had this covenant, and God appeared to him. Remember the, the ladder in the sky going up and things like that, wrestling with the angel of the Lord? That was all at Mitzvah. It was mitzvah. And for years, mitzvah was considered a holy place. People would make pilgrimages there. They would, they would see where the ladder was, where Jacob was, their ancestor was. This, was. this was the father of all of Israel, just like Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This was, this was the father of all of Israel. So this was a very, very special place. Um, Tabor, I didn't really know what Tabor was until I looked it up, but we just went through it. In the book of Judges, there's a, there's a guy named uh, uh, Sisera, who was the king of the Canaanites, okay? And uh, Deborah, who was a prophetess and a judge, uh, basically called Barak, who was a commander, to raise an army up, and he defeated him um, uh, there at uh, Tabor. That's where it was defeated. It was a major battle, just like if you would go today to uh, Gettysburg, or if you would go to, to one of the battlefields in the United States, or you go to Pearl Harbor, Last year, Carol and I had the opportunity to go to, to, uh, to Hawaii, and we, we were there at Pearl Harbor, where the Missouri is and stuff like that. It's a, it's, a, it's a place where there was a famous battle where Barak defeated the enemy of Sisera, even though they were outnumbered and Sisera had chariots and Barak didn't, and the power of the Lord came on. It was a wonderful victory for Israel. Um, so so what, what Hosea is basically saying, or the Lord is basically saying through Hosea, he says, he says, you've been a snare to these places. And the reason they've been a snare to these places is because this was a popular place for the Israelites to go and visit. It's also where they started setting up the shrines for, for Baal and, as well as Asherah. Isn't that sad? Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. It, it's, kind of, it's kind of like going to, um, going to Gettysburg and seeing it's kind of like seeing McDonald's yeah, and circus. Wendy's yeah. and and jugglers and circus type circus type people, people going because you know there the people are going to be there so there's people that are going to selling but sure. but even worse than the McDonald's or 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 food vendors or postcards or souvenir shops they're actually setting up houses of worship to worship the idols that God specifically told them to avoid. He said, don't marry with those people. Drive out the Canaanites, drive out, drive out the Amorites, drive out all of these people because if they're still there, you're gonna be influenced by them. God knew that. He said, drive them out and the people failed to drive them out. And as a result, even their holy places, the places that God had done amazing feats became the very, very places that 
people were worshiping to these to these false gods. And that's you can imagine why God is so upset with this whole thing. It says this. It says, uh, for yours is judgment because you've been a snare to mitzvah and a net spread on Tabor. The revolters are deeply involved in slaughter, though I rebuke them all. I know Ephraim and Israel is not hidden from me. Oh, now Ephraim, you committed harlotry. Israel is defiled. Um, they, the, it's basically by saying the revolters are deeply involved in the slaughter, it says you're getting your just dessert, okay? Why, are we, why is a slaughter coming? Why are, why are the people going to be taken away? You've been involved. You're the ones that are responsible. And remember, he's talking initially to the priests, the house of Israel, the house of the king. Um, so in... Um, Oh, here, this is interesting too. Um, going back to, to Deborah, Sisera, and, uh, and, and the Canaanites. Um, what, was, what was happening is that there's an old Jewish tradition that, that liars in wait were set in these two places to intercept and murder the Israelites who's persistent in going to worship in Jerusalem. There's an old saying, there's an old saying, according to this, this commentary, that prior to these places being a house of idolatry, um, that bandits would lie in wait for the true worshipers that were going. Again, you're going, to, you're going to a battlefield and you're going to kind of pay your respect and have a little history lesson for your kids. And bandits would lay in wait and be able to, uh, to attack the people. And the, the, the fault was on these same people, the priests, the house of Israel, and the house of the king, because the king was to be able to provide sanctuary for these people, safe passage. And the king never gave them safe passage, just as the king never gave them safe passage in the past. Now the king is doing nothing. The priests are doing nothing. The government is doing nothing about these false worship, these temples and these shrines being set up in these, in these holy places. I find that interesting. I really do. Um, remember, and remember, this, this is going back. The people of, of in the time of Hosea, understood that they were supposed to do this. And like I said, the people were told that they were supposed to drive out these people, going all the way back to the time of Moses. This is before the people even got to the land. This is what the Lord said to Moses. He said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and where you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan. That's the promised land. Don't do it. Where I'm bringing you, do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. So going all the way back to the time of Moses, the people had been warned over and over again that they weren't supposed to take up the practices of Egypt. Don't bring those gods with you nor were they supposed to embrace the gods and the practices of the people of Canaan. So Hosea continues, verses four, verses four through nine, it says, um, let me flip it over, I just lost it, here it is, four through nine. Um, they do not direct their deeds towards turning to their God, for the spirit of harlotry is in their midst. They do not know the Lord, the, the pride of Israel testifies to his face. Therefore, Ephraim and Israel, and, uh, Israel and Ephraim stumble in their iniquity. Judah also stumbles with them. Um, remember, we, um, we talked a little bit about Judah. Judah was mentioned last time. 
It was, it was, the fact that it was interesting, the last time we got together and talked about this, I found there were two things that were kind of interesting. One was the relationship between the men and the harlots, remember? And they said the men are to be judged, but not as harshly as, or the women are to be judged, but not as harshly as the men. And the reason we said is because the women were kind of forced into servitude. They really didn't have a lot of choice. It's a whole idea that we see even today with the idea of, um, of, of trafficking. Uh, we, we take a look at the girls that are, and sometimes boys, that are caught in the idea of sex trafficking, and we look at them as victims, not as the perpetrators of this trade, but they are really the victims of it. Um, and it, there was also a reference the last time we got together of the idea of Judah, that the judgment was uh, to Israel, and Israel was said, be careful that you're bringing Judah along with you, that Judah, to a lesser extent, was also going to be guilty of the same things. In fact, Judah would eventually fall. Judah, about 100 years after Israel, 120 years um, after Israel falls, Judah will fall as well for the same reasons, for the same kind of reasons. When you refer to Judah as opposed to Israel, this is when the tribes were split up. That's right. Yeah, you had, you had after Solomon's grandson, after Solomon's son, David's grandson, split the nation. So you had... The 10 tribes went to the north and Benjamin and Judah were to the south. So you had two countries that were at war with each other from time to time. You had Israel to the north, that was Samaria, what we know as modern day Samaria. It included parts of Israel in the, in that, that during the time of Jesus. Because remember, Jesus was from Galilee and Galilee was part of this northern tribes, but was included as part of Israel. And that wasn't considered part of Samaria. Yes, Jerusalem was in the south. Jerusalem was in the south. Samaria didn't really have a capital. It, a couple different places they had. They had a good well. They had a good well. They had Jacob's well there. That's for sure. Um, so, so here's the thing. It says, they shall seek the Lord, but they will not find him. So this is, this is, a, this is a warning to all of us. There's, a, there's many people that feel like they're seeking the Lord but they're not seeking the Lord in spirit and in truth. Remember Jesus at the, at the woman, when he talks to the woman at the well. Uh, the woman at the well is there during the midday sun. So we assume from that, based on the teachers and kind of the conversations she had, is that she's kind of ostracized from the rest of the woman. Jesus says, you know, bring your husband. I'm not having married. Yes, that's true. Even you've had three husbands and the one you're with is not even your husband. So she's, he's telling the woman things that she, she's doing that's wrong, right? But she gets into this religious conversation with Jesus about, you Jews say this, but we say this. She's having this religious conversation. What, what she's saying is the people of Samaria, they're, they're seeking the Lord. They're, they're seeking the Lord. They've got religious traditions. You, you, the only reason you have a religious tradition is because you're trying to seek the Lord, but they're not doing it truthfully. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, in the future people will seek me in spirit and in truth. It isn't so much where you worship, it's what's in your heart, what's in your heart. And, and this problem that Israel had continues to this day and continues in our churches. It really does. It really does. Um, you know, there are, there are people that I've talked to, people that I've talked to, and, and you've probably experienced the same thing. And, we, and this is, I think, regardless of any church you're in, because there's, there's good churches and bad churches in every denomination under any flag of any kind. I mean, a church can be good and the pastor changes and all of a sudden it's like, you know, the 
church has kind of lost something there because we've got a different pastor, a different teacher. And I've had people say, you know, well, I, I grew up in the Presbyterian church or I grew up in the Baptist church, but I, and I didn't find God there. I didn't find God there. And then I went to this other church. I didn't find God there. They're kind of looking for God. And they're, they're looking for God. They're seeking God, and they're not finding him. They're not finding him. And then all of a sudden, they end up in your church, and they think somehow that God's been hiding from them. You know, God's in this, you know, here in celebration, we've got God in the, God's in these little churches, you know, and if you get to them, you get to find God. But, but here's the thing. It's, it's really an illusion to think that you're searching for God. Because God's always there. You know, you're, he's, he searches for us. In fact, that's the thing. The Bible says clearly that no one seeks God. No one seeks God. And I think it's kind of funny, Pastor, that, that there's a whole movement out there that the church tries to embrace called the seeker movement. Have you heard about the seeker movement? Mm, somewhat. <laughs> there's a whole movement out there. And they call them the seekers. And the idea is you change the idea of the identity of the church. You change how the church is operated in order to embrace the seekers. Okay? It's a marketing strategy, oh, right. And the church changes. So they do certain things. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, there's some things that... Exactly. There's, there's some well-meaning... There's, there's some good reasons for that. One of the, one of the things... Our, our church was kind of a secret church, the church I was in down, in, down in, at Christ Fellowship. And... Um, we did, we did some things that I, I mean, the whole idea of contemporary worship that Pastor Hal loves. I mean, he just, he just loves the contemporary, I'm just saying that facetiously because he, he, likes, our, he likes our songs. It's the contemporary music that I cannot remember the lyrics to. You know, it, you know I, that's just my well, the, the, tradition. The, the reason I bring this up is because the people of, of Israel, I mean, they're basically saying that you, you seek me, but you won't find me. And, and what happens all too often today is people say they're seeking God, but it's all too often, I can just based on experience, people are trying to find God, but they're coming with their own list of preconditions. They're not shopping for God as much as they're shopping for a shirt. They want it in their size. They want something that fits comfortably with them, people that will like the church shirt. They'll compliment them based on how well it looks and things like that. And that's what they're looking for, God. They're looking for a God that fits into their... Um, preconceived ideas on what how God is supposed to treat me and what he's supposed to do for me and what all that means. And as a result, God's, God's available. Anybody that's, there's, go through the Bible. There's 66 books there. There's nowhere in there that people diligently look for God and they don't find him. I mean, anybody that comes to God and asks for forgiveness, he forgives. Anybody, anybody that, it's the Bible, the whole New Testament's all for whosoever's. Who, you know, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, it's a, it's a whosoever. We were talking yesterday in Bible study a little bit about this idea of the exclusivity of God, that many people feel that, that uh, Christians uh, uh, should be ashamed of themselves because they feel that they've got an exclusive license for God, that it, you have to be a Christian in order to be saved. You have to, in order to get to heaven, you have to believe in Jesus. Well, that's all true. But see, it's not exclusive at all because it's open to whosoever. It's not an exclusive club at all. All you have to do is, it's well, there's, there's no price of admission because the, admission's already been, the price of admission's already been paid for. We just preach the gospel. That's right. And you come. You come. The Holy Spirit will lead you. You come. And, and it'll change your life. Sometimes it's very accessible. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to say, I don't know why I do that. <laughs> uh, but I've heard the message and I've heard the gospel. Yep, and I'll come back. I'll come back and learn some more next week. Yeah, yeah.
So let's do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna break a little bit early today, so we can, for those of us that wanna get over to Illuminate Church, that's fine, or people wanna help my wife, but that's also, that's good. So uh, let's pray, and we'll go from there. Father God, we wanna thank you, Lord. We thank you for this study of Hosea. It's, uh, it's amazing, Lord. We just learned You've so much. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.